Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Can you hear me okay? Just give me a thumbs up. Great. Good to see you guys again. Uh, we are continuing in our journey through Exodus with Exodus 34 today. Um, let me pray and we'll jump right in. So, Father, we just thank you for what you are teaching us. Father, we pray this morning as we look into your word that you would just um, reveal things to us, that you would challenge us, that you would cause us to uh, respond to what you are speaking to us today. So, Father, we just commit this time to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. So, Exodus 34. There's a lot going on here this morning. It's quite a long verse uh, or chapter. I'm going to read it, and then we'll jump into some specific uh, portions. So here we go, Exodus 34, uh, titled The New Stone Tablets. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first ones which you broke, uh, be ready in the morning and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks and herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him. And he carried the two tablets, two stone tablets in his hands. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. You guys notice how much richness is coming out of this already. Uh, Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshipped. Lord, he said, if you have favor, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people. Forgive our wickedness and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. And the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you before all the people. I will do wonders never done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. Obey what I command you. <clears throat> sorry, what I command you today. I will drive out before you Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Evites and Jebusites, be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you are going, or there will be a snare among you. Break down the altars, smash smashed their sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. 
Do not worship any other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land, for when they prostitute themselves to their gods and sacrifice to them, they will invite you and will eat, and you will eat their sacrifices. And when you choose some of their daughters as wives for your sons, and those daughters prostitute themselves to their gods, they will lead your sons to do the same. Do not make any idols. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread. Uh, for seven days, eat bread made without yeast, as I commanded you. Do this at the appointed time in the month of Aviv, for in that month you came out of Egypt. The first offspring of every womb belongs to me, including all the firstborn males of your livestock, whether from herd or flock, redeem the firstborn donkey with a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem all your firstborn sons. No one is to appear before me empty-handed. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest, even during the plowing season. And uh, even during the plowing season and harvest you must rest. Celebrate the festival of weeks with the first fruits of the wheat harvest, and the festival of ingathering at the turn of the year. Um, a lot of celebration going on here. Three times a year, all your men are to appear before the sovereign Lord, the God of Israel. I will drive out nations before you and enlarge your territory. No one will covet your land when you go up three times each year to appear before the Lord your God. Uh, do not offer the blood of a, sacri a sacrifice to me along with anything yeast, and do not let any of the sacrifice from the Passover festival remain until morning. Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Do not cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Then the Lord said to Moses, write down these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Remember, this is the second time that's happening, uh, the radiant face of Moses. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When, when Aaron and all the Israelites saw his face, saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him, but Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterwards, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. When Moses, then Moses put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Oh, that's a lot of words, right? All right, here we go. So let's jump in. Okay. Um, I'm going to go right back to the beginning. And right in the beginning, the Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablet, which you broke. 
um, be ready in the morning and then come down to Sinai, uh, present yourself to me on the mountain. And he goes on to say, don't bring anyone or any animals, anything with you. Okay. So Moses goes up, he has the two tablets. So let's remember that Moses had broken the first set, right? In Exodus 32, so a couple of chapters back. And why did he do that? Well, he broke the tablets because Israel had broken the covenant that God had made with him. So did he do the right thing? No. But it was a response in his frustration to this covenant that God was making with them, but the Israelite people could not keep at that time. Um, it goes on to say, I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets. So after this, I don't know if you guys remember the sin, after Moses had come down from the mountain the first time, all kinds of nonsense going on. Uh, Aaron lost his mind for a little bit. They were melting down all kinds of gold and stuff, worshiping idols. And so God was not happy with them. So after um, all of that happened, Moses intercedes for the people of Israel. Let me just fix my computer here. And um, Israel repents. And so God is restoring this relationship with them. So it was appropriate to have new tablets, basically a fresh start. Okay. Now, the first time that Moses had gone up, um, he had said to, you know, nobody come near the mountain except for Moses. Now, again, we're reminded that Moses is this mediator uh, between God and the people. The people couldn't deal directly with God because of their sin and rebellion. And so Moses bridges the gap here. He stands in the gap between the people and God. Just another reminder how this points us back to the New Testament, right? How Jesus is that mediator that has come to stand between us and God, to allow us that access to God, because God cannot be all sin. That's the, one of the reasons why Moses never actually sees God fully. He sees the glory of God. Um, so just a reminder, uh, we are in a covenant relationship with God through Jesus, right? And he has never broken that covenant with us. In fact, it's us that broke that covenant in the, ver in the very beginning. We are the ones that continue to sin in need of a savior. So just a reminder, God is unchanging, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and a thousand years ago. Okay, let's go on a little bit. Um, Okay, so verse, around verse 5, says, The Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious, um, slow to anger, bounding in love and faithfulness. So um, the word that's used here, so for the Lord that came down in the cloud and stood there with him, is the cloud of glory, right? So there's a word, the Shekinah glory, is the word that is used most often. And we see this many, many times used in the Bible. So Moses sees the glory of God in this shining glory. And I'm going to give you a couple of instances where this actually happens. 
So um, Exodus 19, it covered Mount Sinai. Um, Exodus 13, God's glory went with Israel by day, moved with them. Exodus 33, so yesterday, it stood at the tent of Moses. Um, Second Chronicles 7, it filled Solomon's temple with glory. Uh, Luke 1, New Testament. It, overshad it overshadowed Mary at the conception of Jesus. So we see here's the glory of God. Uh, Luke 9, it was present at the transfiguration of Jesus, right? So Jesus is the light of the world. And in Revelation, uh, we see it will be present at the return of Jesus. So God's kind of glory is throughout God's story recorded in his word. Now, um, if we go on a little bit, um, you know, Moses is in some way saying to them, hey, show me your glory. And so God reveals it to him in the only way that man can, can see God, right? Because God cannot be wholesome, so we can't look directly into the face of God, but we can see his glory. Um, the second part that's interesting here is that um, he proclaims his own name. And so God, the meaning of this is God is starting to reveal his character to Moses and for Moses to kind of repeat this to his people. And so we see some very specific character traits here. Um, so Moses is experiencing the character of God in a very dramatic way. Uh, that verse goes on to say, and he passed in front of Moses. Um, and so this is where Moses is hidden in the cleft of the rock and he sees God's glory. Um, Moses says, show me your glory. And after that, God reveals himself to him or as much of his presence as Moses could bear to experience, right? Because there is a limit in a human experience of how that can happen. Let's talk character of God. So God proclaims and he says to Moses, um, well, basically, he proclaims himself to Moses and he says, the Lord, the Lord. And the word used there is Yahweh. was the same name that, that um, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob knew. So it's just a reminder, this is the same God that made a covenant promise to Abram. I'm the same God that's coming to you. And God is representing himself here as someone who is immutable, someone who is eternal, someone who is unchanging. Okay, so it's basically a self-revelation saying, I'm here, I've always been here, and I'm not going to change. So we have this unchanging nature of God that's been revealed to us. Then he goes on to say, compassionate and gracious. So we know that God, so the word actually means full of compassion. Um, in five of the 13 times this word is used, it's translated full of compassion telling us how much grace God has for us, right? He is full of compassion. Um, the same word was also used regarding Israel in Exodus. God was full of compassion, um, did not destroy, destroy them. And many times when God turns his anger away from the Israelites, it's this word, God is full of compassion. Okay, then he goes on to say, um, God is gracious. And if we look at a little bit deeper at that word, um, it gives us the idea to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior, to, 
to favor or to bestow. So that's what God's grace is for us. He bestows that on us, even though we don't deserve it. It's a free gift from God. But then he goes on to say, you know, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Um, isn't it good to know that God doesn't have a short fuse, that he is slow to anger and he's patient with us? Because, oh, you know, I don't know how many times I've sinned. God's always been so slow to anger, so patient. I know he does that with all of us. Um, you know, it's not fun to deal with people who are short-fused, right? Uh, they get offended or outraged at even the smallest little thing. And that's not how God is. It's not like that. And another word we can use is long-suffering, right? He is slow to anger. Okay, verse, around verse 7, he says, uh, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the, for the sin of their parents to the third and fourth generation. So it's just a reminder that, you know, even though God is patient, he's slow to anger, he has grace, but God is just. So um, sin will not go unpunished. God is a just God. Justice has to be served. God cannot be held sin. Um, so there is punishment, you know, for sin. Um, wickedness, rebellion, or sin are all mentioned so that no one would think that were some types of sin that, were, that God is unable to forgive. So again, this is giving us the scope of God's forgiveness there. Rebellion, wickedness, sin are all things that fall under the grace of God. Okay, Psalm 86.15 says, But you, our Lord, are God full of compassion and gracious long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. So just a reminder of who God is. Um, the last part there, he goes on to say, Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. We just went over that. Um so because of the work of Jesus, right, the righteousness of God is satisfied. So because God is a just God, you know, he's a, um, a fair judge, we have the righteousness of Jesus that gives us that forgiveness, So which we are righteously given. Okay, so let's summarize the character of God here. So I wrote down three, four, five, six, six things. So one, God is unchanging. Two, God is compassionate. Uh, three is gracious, and that grace covers all sin. Four is slow to anger, right? He's long-suffering. Five, he's abounding in love and faithfulness. And the last one is he's just. So um, those who are guilty will be punished, but we have that freedom that comes from grace, which comes from Jesus Christ. Okay, so a little bit about the summary of the... Um, character of God. Okay. I'm going to move on to verse 8 here. Okay, so this might be my favorite part in this whole, in this whole um, long chapter. Uh, Moses bowed to the ground at once in worship. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, and let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us 
as your inheritance. Okay, so first thing is uh, Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped God. So he's in the presence of God, he enters in and he recognizes the only response that is really um, the only appropriate response is for him to worship, right? He realizes that I am in the presence of God and my response is to worship. Now, a little bit of application here. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into that statement. Um, to truly know God, we need to recognize and understand his character, right? So we just went through all his character traits. To do that, and so once we understand his character, and then when we enter in like Moses, we need to enter in in an expectant way for what the Lord has to give us, right? Knowing that God is all those things, he has so much to give us in the richness of his character. So here's the thing. You've probably heard this before, but when we get closer to Jesus, what does the light do? Jesus is the light of the world, right? So as I get closer to any light, the light starts to reveal things that are in the darkness. And as you get closer to Jesus, as you enter in and you're willing to take the rest to go, you know what? I want to draw closer to you. Um, Revelation's going to happen, right? Things are going to get exposed that you might not want to have exposed. Things that you've got comfortable with. And so as we draw close to the light, Revelation comes as the light exposes. Uh, you have a couple of choices to make, right? You can either enter in, worship, and go, hey, um, I want to give this to you. I want you to change this in me. Or you can run away. And, of course, that's not the right response, right? So maybe today you don't want to get closer to him because you're afraid that your sin will be revealed. What will the light reveal when I come close to Jesus? And so I want to remind you of God's character. You know, he's slow to anger, and his grace covers everything, not some things, everything. So we have to come boldly to experience that revelation of sin, right? Because the Holy Spirit reveals, but the Holy Spirit also brings freedom. And so as we come to God and we give things to him, it's our first step towards total freedom and, you know, revelation to our purpose and everything that God wants to do in and through us. Okay, tracking with me so far? Make sense? Okay. So coming into God's glory um, as an act of worship is one of the greatest things we can do to grow our um, Christian maturity and to move forward in freedom. Okay. So what did Moses have with him? So he brought his notebooks with him, right? These big stone tablets that were blank. And, um, you know, as I was thinking about this, um, it says that he chiseled them out, if I remember correctly. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first one. So it was a little bit of work to be done here. There was action he had to take to make these tablets. Um, he takes them up with him and they blank so that the Lord could write his commands on it. And 
as we approach Jesus's life, you know, we start to experience the revelation of things that he wants to refine in us. Um, it's like the script has been rewritten, right? He's saying, there was the lies of the enemy that he had for you. And when he raised the tablet, I'm going to erase your script. And you're going to start over and believe who I say you am. Because what God says about us through the Holy Spirit is truth. So as we come to God with our blank slates, allow him to write truth on the tablet of your heart, right? Because that's what he wants for you. And as he does that, he's going to clarify your purpose and your call. So there we go. Okay. So as you can tell, that that portion excited me. <laughs> One of my favorite parts. Okay, verse 10. Don't worry, we're not going to do all the all the verses. So there's a lot of there's too much to cover in one day. Uh, then the Lord said, I am making a covenant with you before all your people. I will do wonders never, never done, never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. And notice he says, will do for you. Um, obey what I command you today. I will drive out before you the Amorites. I will drive out before you those who come against you in your job, right? Those who come against you um, in life. I will drive out all your enemies. Okay, I'm going to stop there for a second. So he says, obey what I commanded you today. And I will go before you and drive out your enemies. And so I like to think of this as you guys remember back in the day, they used to talk about the wide path and the narrow path, you know, stick on the narrow path because the wide path leads to ruin. Um, sort of like that, but not exactly like that. I like to think of it as when we obey what God's calling us to do, then we walk in the path of blessing, right? We walk in the blessing that God has for us. When we don't obey him, we walk outside of that and we can't receive what he has for us. So he says, obey what I'm telling you to do it. I will go before you. And that's a promise. And God does, still does that today, right? If we live in the way that God's called us to do, we walk in that path of blessing. And that's where I want to be, right? I want to be in that path of blessing. And then he goes on to say, be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land where you go. Okay, so he's talking about there's other people there, you know, don't lower your standards to their standards because they are not believers. He's saying, you know, break down their sacred stones, the idols, the Asheropoles, do not worship any other God. Now, you remember the first commandment that God gave to Moses? It was, do not worship any other gods before me, right? There's only one God. So God says, don't compromise because I'm a jealous God, um, which was the first command, you shall have no other gods before me. And so how does compromise come in our lives? Well, it comes when we choose to ignore biblical values, right? When we choose to ignore biblical truth. And here's the thing that really gets me is when we, when we choose, for example, to say, you know, I, I really want to do this sin because I like it. We are saying that we value that sin more than our relationship with God. 
that's a dangerous place to be, right? I don't want to be in that place. The compromise comes when we place more value on the things that give us selfish pleasures rather than what God is telling us to do. There's no shortcuts. Thank you, Doug, for that comment. Right? These are the guardrails that God puts in front of us. Um, you know, as soon as we deviate from that path, that's when we, that's when we run into the problems of, um, you know, there's some, there's some things that, don't be offended if I say this, but things like living together before marriage, you know, pre, there's premarital sex, there's all of these things that society today is saying, oh, it's okay, but really it's not because God's values are here. And this is part of the compromise that leads us away from that path of blessing. Um, okay. Um, then he says, be careful who you associate with because they will prostitute, prostitute themselves too. And then he talks about this generational um, sin. So he says, let me just back up a little bit. Um, can you choose some of these, blah, blah, blah. I think it was before there. Where is it? Anyway, he says for the third and fourth generation, there's an impact. And so we need to recognize that it's not just impacting us. You know, our families are impacted by that generational sin. And we see it in freedom all the time, right? If you're doing freedom, we'll talk about this um, in the next few weeks, that there's this impact from generation to generation. And we're going to break those chains. And the way we do that is coming to God, submitting to him, living in the way that he wants us to live. Um, okay, the last thing I want to say, there's so much going on here, right? So in around verse 18, he says, celebrate, uh, for in that month you came out of Egypt. Another way to say this is to celebrate and remember what God has done for you. How do we how do we stop um, how do we help the next generation, right? We tell the stories of what God has done, we speak about God's goodness, and we as we as fusion are fairly good at doing that, right? We share those stories, you know, on Sundays, we share them amongst each other. But it is so important to share uh, what God has done because we are we have a very short memory, right? Israelites spend so many years with God doing things right in front of them, but yet day to day they forgot what he had done for them and they turned away from him. So we are one generation away from losing our faith, right? So we, it is our responsibility to celebrate, remember, and tell God's story um, to those who are around us, those who are with us, those who are coming after us. Okay, it is 6.30. Um, let me just see. Okay, that was the second last thing. This is really the last thing. Okay, so when Moses comes down the mountain, his face is shining, right? And so he covers his face. And the reason he covers his face is not because his face is glowing, because he was. Um, it was. It was kind of a, it was a very um, a, a symbolic thing, really, because um, the fact that the shine was fading from his face indicating that indicates the fact that the law that was given to Moses was going to fade away. 
and God was going to establish a new covenant through the man called Jesus Christ, right? And so the covering of his face was that they would not see the old covenant fading away. If we jump into the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. So as we approach the light, God reveals um, glory which comes from the Lord, which is the Spirit. Right. So Christ is that new covenant that God has made with us. And through him, we have life abundant. We have life eternal. But my challenge to us this morning is to enter into God's glory, approach the light of Jesus so you can receive revelation and that God can reveal his purposes and plans for you. Amen. We're good. Let me pray for you guys. It's 6.32. Um, hey, tomorrow, just a little, little update for you. Pastor Jose and myself uh, will be riding 100 miles for MS. We'll be doing our great exodus tomorrow. So um, pray for us, and uh, it's going to be a great day. And let me pray for you guys. Father, we just thank you that you have revealed yourself to us. And when we choose to follow you, we can walk in the path of blessing that you have for us. Father, we pray that we will enter into your worship, that we would see your face, that we would see your glory, and that we would respond as you reveal those things in us that you need to change. Father, we submit ourselves to you. Father, we pray that you will rewrite the script of our lives, that you will write on the tablets of our hearts the truths that you have for us. And through the Holy Spirit, we would discover and enjoy the things that you speak about us, the truth that comes from your word. Father, we pray that as we draw closer to you, we would be reminded of the covenant you have with us through Jesus Christ, the covenant that remains forever with us, uh, Father, we thank you that you are loving God, which is slow to anger, that you love us, you are long-suffering, but you are just and a righteous God. So, Father, we put our trust in you, uh, we praise you, and we worship you, and Father, we just pray that you would be with us through this day, this weekend, and um, until we meet again and gather together, and we just pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend.